Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey everyone, welcome to the Doctors Running Podcast, where we, a group of doctors of physical therapy, discuss the art and the science of the things that we're putting on our feet. Today, I'm joined here with Dr. Salas, and we're going to talk about some really interesting stuff on episode 116. I can't believe this is 116. Uh, but yeah, we are going to be talking about super trainers today. This is a new thing, and we're going to help better define it. But there's been a lot of these. I think as we've had a couple of shoes come out recently, specifically the ASIC Super Blast, which I'm holding in my hand, which we just dropped a review of. It, there, the Not just the racing shoe world, which has been the biggest focus, but training shoes have significantly changed and are starting to adapt some of the same technologies, if not more so, than what we're seeing in the racing world. So our hope today is to talk a little bit about this, define it, but our subjective question for everybody is, what do you think of super trainers? Are you interested in them? What do you think they're going to do? Any concerns about them? want to hear what you think, because these are starting to become more common but not a lot is known about them. David, what do you think? What, have, what has been your experience thus far with super trainers? Yeah, I think there's a time and place. It's a very interesting category because I think a lot of people, when they think of this category or this this new category, right? I'm, I'm category in quotes here. But a lot of people are thinking of like these quote unquote illegal stack heights where it's like, oh, it's got to be over 40 millimeters of stack. Well, that doesn't have to be the case. I would, what I take a look at with quote unquote super trainers are they using the new generation materials that are seen in their racing shoes? And so what we're seeing in the footwear world is this big innovation boom and all these new materials that are popping up that have more compliancy, more resiliency, and you're having this higher energy return coming off the other side of it. And for the last couple of years, most of these companies were reserving that for their racing shoes. And what we're seeing is now people are starting to incorporate that more into these training models and whether or not that is a good thing, I think there's a time and place for it. But the I think it takes a look at the actual geometry, how aggressive the shoe is. What is the actual goal of the shoe? Um, so I think it could definitely have a place in the training world. I, I don't think it necessarily has to be over 40 millimeters of stack. But yeah, what's up? And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because before this, my biggest definition of this and what I've been using was going, yeah. You know, when we talk about super trainers, I was defining it as these shoes using super foams and having this illegal level of stack height. So the IAF is using 40 millimeters as the limit for racing shoes. So technically, World if you're an elite, right? Well, I'm sorry. I knew they I changed their World name. Athletics. It gets me every time, too. <sighs> yep. So World Athletics set a 40 millimeter limit and... The sh- couple of shoes that have come out recently are going above that. So technically, and no one really, if you're not an elite runner, like it doesn't really matter. There's been one person that doc- got DQ'd for using the Adidas Prime X. And yeah. I was like, I feel like that was a stunt. But I was defining super trainers as anything above that 40 millimeter limit. So technically, technically illegal shoes that you couldn't use for racing, only training and had the same technologies, be it a plate, which is not always 
prevalent, but definitely some of these superfoams and max height geometries. So the big three that I would define that is ASIC Superblast, New Balance Fuel Cell SC Trainer, and then the Adidas Prime X. But you're saying, hey, I wouldn't define it just by that. You would say you're de- going to also define it by other characteristics. And again, can you can you highlight what those other characteristics might be? Totally. I think as far as from a characterization, taxonomy, however we want to view this, uh, yeah. when you take a look at the materials that actually go into the shoe, and one of the ones that comes to mind right away is something like the Saucony Tempest, where the majority of the shoe is power run PB. The weight is still relatively lightweight. It has that EVA rim that holds it around. There's no plate, but it still has a pretty rigid geometry for the most part. You have good outsole coverage. Like the thing can still move if you want it to. And another one that I think of is the Topo Spectre, where you have the Piba base that's inside of it. It's very similar design, EVA rim around the sides of it, but it's still responsive. It's still lightweight. It can still get moving. I think I take a look at it more from the material standpoint and how much energy return and how resilient the actual foam is. Because if you do a daily run, let's just say you go out for a seven mile regular run day, easy day, normal run, whatever we want to call it. You go out there and you run, let's say you're running in something. I love the A6 Evo Ride 3. It's one of my favorite trainers this year, but it's a pretty simple shoe. It's a low stack EVA, lightweight, sharp rocker up front. If I go and run seven miles in that shoe and let's say I'm just feeling beat up, maybe I ran 22 miles the day before or something like that. And I'm just like, ah, this I don't feel like this is what I want right now. I can opt for something like the Tempest or something that has a little bit more resilience to it. And maybe I feel a little bit more fresh afterwards and I don't feel quite as beat up and I recover better. So that can also have a lane in the recovery world that doesn't always have to be in the performance world. So we should probably – there's two categories to this then. It sounds like there's like the lower or more traditional stack height. Maybe not like – so like maybe like the legal stack height, lower something stack height, super 40. trainers, something, something less. But then you have these super max tra- super trainers where these other three are kind of sticking now. But you're still saying yes because of the foam compound, because of the geometry. These are technically, you know, they're they're a lot of people might be able to actually race in these kind of shoes totally. if they be, cannot handle some of the more aggressive stuff. But that still makes them that kind of super stuff because of the foam materials, the geometry, and all these components. Yeah, and even if you're above the forty millimeter stack height, like if I was being completely honest, looking at a performance standpoint, if I had to go with any of the shoes you listed. I'd probably be looking at either the A6 Super Blast or the Adidas Prime X. I couldn't possibly imagine running a race in the SC Trainer. I, to me, that doesn't seem like a shoe that I would want to run fast in. Just because it's over what 47 millimeters of stack doesn't necessarily make it fast. Yeah. Like if it's over 10 ounces, and I'm just like I I don't feel. Does it run lighter than the listed weight? Sure. It's a fun ride. Yeah. It provides plenty of protection, but it's not. Again, it kind of goes in that recovery world for me. Yeah, and so I, I, I just because it's over forty millimeters of stack, I don't think that necessarily lends it into the performance category. That's very fair. Like I had the same experience where I personally would not do anything but running easy in the SC Trainer. Yes, I've tried some strides in it. Was it the most glorious? It was interesting. It's not something I would ever do or choose to do that in. Whereas Primex and Super Blast, that might be a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, what do you think on those two? Responsiveness wise, they're great. I think the yeah. Prime X, it does have the double plate system, right? The oral energy mm-hmm. rods. 
Yeah, a double double rod, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that shoe is pretty crazy responsive. It's a very fun shoe to turn over and just pop off in. The stability could probably be a little bit better, and I know there's some people that are sensitive to it and others that don't care at all. Um, I am in the middle, but I do notice that my ankles are a little bit sore from working in them. <laughs> like, in the moment, it feels fun, and then you're like, why am I sore down in my lower leg like the rest I- of the day? And I think it's the stability demands. I don't get that in the Super Blast. I think if I had to choose between the two no. and I was, like, forced to choose, I probably would go Super Blast for me personally. I think it's a little bit more balanced underfoot, and I think you still get that responsive ride from the Flight Foam Turbo. There's no plate, yeah. but it's still a pretty rigid geometry. You got 45 millimeters of turbo underneath you. So, I mean, having that much foam does stiffen it up a little bit inherently. But, yeah. Right. Now, before we dive into the Super Blast, which is going to be our big priority today, because we've talked about the other ones before, what shoes would you include, since we talked about the Max Max Super Trainers, what shoes would you include in the kind of more traditional, which or like under 40 millimeter stack height list which one would you what would you include in there yeah it's a great question so i mean i talked about a couple of them already the tempest uh from yeah. saucony the specter from yeah. topo there's still a couple other that are on my brain i would still throw i grabbing it sorry saucony endorphin speed three this is the run shield version um just basically a waterproof upper uh which i actually am really enjoying this shoe but that's a conversation for another time but uh, right. I would still throw it in there. Even though it's a P-Bax plate, the idea was for it to be a training companion. And so on some of the days that I'm really beat up on, I've found myself reaching for this shoe. It's lightweight. It transitions pretty well. It still has a little bit of flexibility up front. I can still run decently slow in it. But to answer the question further, like New Balance Rebel 3, some people are using it as a daily trainer. Some people are using it more on that performance trainer, training companion side of things. Just a versatile shoe. It's lightweight. Uses the fuel cell midsole. Uh, and then the other one, or actually, was that it? Oh, yeah. This is going to be an interesting one because I think I'm going to get some heat for this. But the Saucony Freedom 4. And my main reason isn't necessarily from the running standpoint. It's a little bit slower on the stack. It's a little bit more just a very neutral profile overall. There's no crazy rocker. It's still like, I don't know. It almost feels like a street shoe that you can run in. And... That's kind of how it feels to me personally when I do run it. Um, But from a standing around, walking around, working in a clinic all day, that Power Run PB midsole, even though there's not a whole lot of it, it still has a little bit more compliancy to it. And the cushioning under my foot feels just as much as something that is higher up and maybe perhaps EVA or TPU. So that might might be better to find shoes like the Rebel or that one to the Freedom to be like the low, low stack ones right where now you've got a super foam in there it's not going to probably have the same performance benefits as some of the other ones but it's still you know in that category it's definitely kind of getting super there is that what you're saying yeah i mean they're using the same materials i mean most companies probably have some switcheroos on the inside (laughs) now i gotta ask what what's your opinion on the deviate nitro uh two what do you think i don't have it (laughs) it's a shoe i'd like to have I I don't I don't have it. From what I heard, I found this out before the episode. <gasps> I uh, I was gonna say that I would really love for Puma to put Nitro Elite in a training model and have it be in like whether a performance trainer esque or in a daily trainer. And he was like, "Oh, fun fact, Deviate Two does that." So I didn't know that. <laughs> That's <laughs> that was news to me. Poor today. David got got snuffed by 
Puma on this one. Um, but I, I'm, I'm curious to know what you think on this briefly before we go to the Super Blast, because in my mind, I was defining this as a like performance shoe where you could race in it just based on it's got so much foam in it. It's got a, the plate is super stiff, almost to the point where initially I could not train in this. It was very, I had four foot pain. I'm sorry, Puma. But as it's broken in, it's got it better, but it has done great for workouts. So a shoe that you can't necessarily like maybe certain people can, but not everyone. Would we still define that as a super trainer? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. To my knowledge, it's a dual density midsole, right? It's not all it nitrally. Yeah. yeah. No, the majority, I think the rear foot is nitro. And then like this area up top, top sole in the, in the heel, I think. And then the majority of the forefoot is yeah, I'd, It's noticeable. I'd probably still throw it in yeah. there. Yeah. And that could go okay. down that more training companion side of things, right. kind of like the endorphin speed from soccer. Yeah, and that makes sense. So now let's talk about, you were ta- mentioning it earlier, but let's dive back into the ASICS Super Blast. So this shoe is very new for ASICS. Um, it'll be a couple weeks old when this episode releases, but can you give us a little rundown on what this shoe is? Yeah, it's basically like take everything that you know and like or dislike about the Nova Blast and put it on steroids. And so right. uh, basically, That's a good definition. They, yeah. instead of having the Blast Plus foam midsole throughout the entirety of it, they basically raise that stack height very considerably. Um, you have the turbo foam that's in the Metaspeed Edge and Sky models all the way up to 45 45 and a half or 45 I, I don't know off the top of my head 45 45 and a half yeah, yeah in the heel so we're over that 40 millimeter stack height now um yep. it's an eight millimeter drop i believe down to about 37 yes. roughly so 37 half yeah you got a lot of foam underfoot and it's a dual density midsole so you do have a little bit of blast plus down at the very bottom that little sea foam green down on the bottom there that's actually blast plus so you have that real soft blast plus material turbo to me has always been a little bit firmer even though it's still a soft and compliant like super foam compared to EVA, it's definitely soft, right. but it's still a little, it holds its structure a little bit more when you load it. And so what I right. feel with this shoe is you just get a lot of bounce and rebound off of this thing through that toe off and there's no plate in it. Um, it's a very lightweight foam. When you take no plate, a very lightweight upper and for having 45 millimeters of stack, like a size nine is like 8.4 ounces. It's pretty absurd. Yeah. Uh, this is the lightest this is the lightest of these kind of maximal super trainers, even though it's got a ton of stack height. It is by far the lightest one. I think it's it's over an ounce lighter than the Prime X, right? I think the Prime X is like yeah, 9.6. I think so. Yeah. And then something like that. Yeah. Three ish ounces lighter than the uh, SE tra- uh, trainer. Yeah. So it's one of those shoes, and they're marketing it as such as like a daily shoe, a performance shoe, a workout yeah. shoe. Like, long run shoe like a shoe that you can literally do everything in and it does run that way i've pushed the shoe a little bit and it still pops off like a lot of other performance shoes would so um, and then i've also run easy in it most of my mileage in the shoe is probably easy mileage and it still runs relatively smooth and i i don't feel like i'm 45 off the ground like i think they did a pretty good job of like making you feel balanced and centered and not like you're on these like stilts where you're not quite feeling like yourself. Right. Um, so I think they did a great job with this shoe, honestly. I think 
think there's a good place for it, especially if you use it like that Swiss Army knife to do everything. And I think you said the Swiss Army knife, I think, is the best description of this shoe where, by the way, and, and David alluded to this earlier, this shoe is still stiff. There is no plate in this shoe, right? It's the only one of these these super stack super trainers that doesn't have a plate. I'd be terrified to see what it was like with a plate. They did not need this because it it's still with just the amount of of height here. It's still super stiff. Um, and yeah, all, I totally agree with all the stuff that it's a very I know we throw the word versatile out. And so maybe the Swiss Army Knife's a better term because I've actually done a ton of easy miles, but I've also done a for like a week straight, all my workouts were done in the shoe, no matter what it was, tempo run, threshold, intervals, and it performs well. It's definitely not, it wouldn't be the thing I would reach for for a race, but if I was like, I just need something because I don't know what I'm going to be doing when I get out the door, this would be it every single time. And it doesn't feel like you're on stilts, and I think part of that is the fact that it's got a it's got a wider outsole. They've done the, the, the stable neutral really well. There's sidewalls here, but I also think you're right where the foam, it's 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 a bouncy foam, but it's a firm bouncy. It's not your mushy. It doesn't feel like the SE Trainer. It doesn't feel like Primex. It feels like you pop in the sole, compresses and bounces back, but it's still on on the firmer side or like just has a firmer feel for the stuff, which kind of makes it not feel as stilty and wobbly, which it's got a great grounded ride. So I've been really, really impressed. Upper fits a little. What do you think about the upper? I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it might have fit a yeah. tiny bit long for me, but it was otherwise, mm-hmm. it was, it's kind of funny because it's like it falls right in the middle between that Metaspeed Edge slash Sky where it's really thin and like, yeah. okay, race ready upper. It's a little bit more plush than that, yeah. but it's not quite as plush as the Nova Blast. Like they definitely went right in the middle there. No. And it's it's a very... It's called Super Blast, so... Yeah, yeah. it's a very thin, yeah. lightweight, just engineered mesh that's on the top. It's like basically one piece and... I think it's streamlined yeah. pretty well, and I think it's integrated with the sidewalls pretty well. It's one of those uppers that locks oh, yeah. down. It's a little bit snug through, like, the midfoot and heel, but I don't know. I mean, it feels like a shoe that is a little bit performance and a little bit daily. It doesn't feel like you have to be, yeah. like, locked in, ready to go to run in this shoe. It feels forgiving right. enough to where you can still do whatever you want. Any other any other thoughts on this? Any other comparisons you would make to the other Max max super trainers yeah so when i take a look at this shoe versus something like say the prime x if we're keeping it above the 40 millimeter stack yeah let's keep it there so i think the super blast was designed with the aim of being that swiss army knife and being a shoe that can do a little bit of everything the prime x was kind of just like let's have fun and create a shoe that just goes stupid fast and who cares about rules and so (laughs) You look at it, the platform's a little bit more narrow. You collapse, like, it just, the whole thing is, it's interesting. Light Strike Pro is very soft, very bouncy. They have two layers of the energy rods. It's very stiff. I mean, like, I got to, like, uh, I can't, I can barely bend that thing. Um, very, very poppy off the toe off. They're just different shoes. Slightly narrow heel. You transition much quicker through that heel and midfoot. Like, this is a shoe you're going to actually want to turn over in. When I run slow right. in the Primax, it doesn't really feel good. Um, but it's it feels a, terrible, yeah, actually. But it's a lot of fun to turn over, and it's just like it's yeah. a lot of work for my lower legs, where I don't quite get that in the Super Blast. To take a look at the SE Trainer, I think the SE Trainer, I mean, it's in the name. It's almost like it's more of a trainer. It just doesn't really feel like it has that pop to me. It's more of a rhythmic shoe that I want to just go run easy in uh, recovery day. Mm-hmm. 
I want to make that recovery day just a little bit easier for myself. It's got a play. It's got a sharp geometry, very forgiving feel. So midsole, comfortable knit upper, like it's kind of just a plush, almost like a premium trainer to me. So that's probably the most highly distinct I, I can make between the compare and contrast of all three of those in a quick snippet. I, I think you hit that on the head and I would agree with all those thoughts where the SC trainer for me, which I'm holding up right now, it's a trainer. It, I use it for easy days, recovery days. I would not use it for any kind of faster effort. The Prime X is really biased toward faster efforts. It does not. I know people are using it for daily training. That's fine for me. And it sounds like David I, running easy and it's not the greatest but when you pick up the pace it's like oh this is what this is meant for whereas the super less seems to be able to handle both of those things fairly decently um it may not be as i don't know what you think it may not be as all out as the um prime x but i still think it does a good job of being able to pick the pace up and i have done very long workouts in it and it's been great um, it seems to be able to handle the daily training well. It's a teeny bit firmer. So if I really wanted to unload my legs, maybe I'd pick the SC trainer. But like for that do it all, it seems to be kind of one of the the top ones for me personally. Although I'm a little biased because it just kind of works with mechanics. Random question for you: What do you think about the costs yeah. of these three? So Super Blast is at two twenty retail. Prime X yep. is two seventy five. Yeah, two seventy, and then the Strung, which we don't have, is three hundred. Yeah, we don't have the S. Yeah, we don't have the Strung. The SC Trainer is one eighty. One eighty. Which I still okay. remember going like, "Wow!" Like I can't believe it's only one eighty for that much shoe. But what do you think of these costs? I think it comes down to the consumer. To be one hundred percent honest, because for me, and it, and it didn't quite work quite as well for my mechanics. Like I didn't run in the SE trainer and be like, wow, this is my shoe of the year. I, I just never got that feeling. And so for me, I couldn't right. justify purchasing it for 180 just for my own mechanics. The shoe is a great shoe. I think it uses good materials. Yeah. It For what it is, it's in that premium trainer category. And there's other premium trainers going for 160 to, I mean, you know, like not that shy of that price point. So yeah. probably okay yeah. if someone's going to use it and they're going to use it for those intended purposes of logging those daily miles, maybe even racing. Um, if they just like the way it feels in their foot and going for long periods of time, because you don't have to be running sub three hour marathons, you know, to be <laughs> running a certain shoe. Like you can run in whatever is comfortable for you. I think that's a very, right. and I think that's the idea of a lot of these shoes is create something that is still very comfortable, still uses the new materials, but it doesn't have to be a Vaporfly. It doesn't have to be a Meta Speed. It doesn't have to be a Deviate Nitro Elite. It doesn't have to be anything like that. Um, with the Super Blast, it's a very interesting price point, right? At being at 220 it's like, okay, so $30 more would be a Vaporfly. $30 more would be a right. Meta Speed, Edge, Sky, whatever. With that said, I don't say that in a way that like, oh, this is overpriced. I don't I don't know if it is. I think it actually depends, again, on the consumer. If you're using it for said Swiss Army knife purpose, it's got the Ahar rubber on it. It's got pretty good durability overall, like any of their other trainers would. Yeah, go for it. He destroys shoes if you're new to the podcast. So uh, for those that are watching this on YouTube, I have 80 miles on my pair and I still can't really see the wear. And it's not just because the material's dark. I have not been able to kill this shoe. And the SC Trainer, I ripped through that in 70, 80 miles. Um, prime, like the Adidas shoes, I generally, I will rip through the outsole. Just 
because that's what even the Audios Pro 3, which was much better than the Pro 2, I still I by 100 miles, I destroyed it. But it was better than the 2 because the 2 only lasted. Yeah, you broke that pretty 40 quick. 40 miles. Yeah. Yeah, I broke it in 40 miles. But to just durability wise, this does have it. And I'm going to keep I'm going to see how many miles I can get out of this. I'll do a 100 mile review and beyond. But it's handled that fairly well, not to interrupt you. No, no, I think it's a great point because I think it gives yeah. you some of the durability that a daily trainer would give you. And it also gives you the yeah. options of a lot of other paces and things to hit. And right. so if you're using it for that purpose, if, if it's your Swiss Army knife, if it's your daily trainer, your long run shoe and your racing shoe, why not pay 220 for it? You know, like that in itself is more valuable than a shoe that I'm going to only wear a couple times um, in a very quick buildup to a race and said race. And then I put it away in the closet for a while until I start building up for another race. Like this is a shoe that can keep on giving. So like, why not be 220? I think that's actually a decent price point when I look at it from that standpoint. Uh, the prime X is an interesting. I, I agree one. with you. Yeah. 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 Go for it. I think the prime X one's just a really interesting one. I mean, they use the full length continental, at least on the prime X I have, and the outsole is pretty thick overall. Like, I see this lasting quite a while as long as your mechanics can hold up for it. <laughs> so I don't not know. Mine. It's hard to speak on that one because it's not a shoe that I've logged a bunch of miles in. But for those that aren't sensitive to the stability demands of it, you could say the same thing. Um, if you can get durability, like daily trainer durability, yeah. um, and still have race responsiveness, and you don't care about stack height rules, like why not? Uh, what I will say though, if you take a look, like for the people that are watching this, like that is a thick slab of continental, like it's going to be a while until yep. someone like me runs through it. I don't know about Klein, but like, I, I don't destroy shoes and I don't know if I'd ever run through that. Like I just, like it would probably be five, 600 miles in and I've run in Adidas shoes to five to 600 miles before in the past. And I still didn't run through them then. And so like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this uh, could end up being worth that in some way. If, if, if the person really loves the shoe, I broke it in 60 miles, the Primax strong. Yeah, no, not the strong. It was another, it was a Primax. What? I didn't share How? it. Yeah. Because I'm messed up, but you never, I, you I never say to surprise I, me, man. That's yeah. I'm that person. You stripped it um, off. I would though, say huh? my last, it was that lateral yeah, heel, like the, the scuffing. The, yeah, I got it got yeah. pulled off. Okay, that makes yeah. more sense. So that's fair, right? My last thought before we kind of move on is going to be uh, for me the super blast, like you said, it's that versatile shoe. And I think for the person who's going, I want one shoe to handle everything. I think it actually justifies the two twenty price. It goes okay. Uh, you know, you're not if you're not running in like a sanction race trying to make make money, right? This is a shoe you can train in, you can run faster in, and you can race in, right? I know it's illegal, whatever, but most people, the general population, it's not going to be a problem for them. So I think for 220 for the durability and what it can handle, I, I would invest in that. Personally, because this is the kind of shoe I keep looking for, going, I want something that I can just strap on, do a workout in, do an easy run in, do a long run in, and even like be confident to race him. So I can see if you have the funds, that might make sense. But if you're going, hey, this is going to be my training shoe and then i'm going to spend a lot of other times in other in like racing shoes maybe not maybe something like the nova blast might work if you have the funds go for it i would say that 
Or the other option of where I can see this working if you have the funds is if you're getting used, you're not ready for, or you haven't really spent a lot of time in these super shoes yet. In the like played like the Metaspeed Sky or Edge. I think this would be a good way to kind of go, you know what? I'm going to spend some money on this. It's not 250, it's 220. Let's take this through a training cycle and see how I respond. And you know, maybe we should we should wait on that comment. I'm going to save that actually. So speaking of which. Let's talk about these. So let's isolate this to the super max trainers. So what do you think the purpose of these overly stack heighted super foams, sometimes stiffened or what's always stiff, but sometimes plated juice? What do you think their purpose is? I think it's a question that's dependent on the goal of the company, right? Like, I mean, based on the three that we talked about, like the Prime X is designed to go fast. It's an Addy. It's on the Addy zero line. You know, like they're not going to put it lightly in that line. If you see Addy Zero, that's a performance shoe. Uh, with the Super Blast, they they wanted it to be like that Swiss Army knife. At least based on yeah. everything I saw them with their tech sheets, their marketing, like what they were saying, like yeah. that's that's what they wanted out of the shoe. The SE Trainer, they kind of wanted that high stack, comfortable shoe. I, I never really saw right. them market it as like go chase your PR in this shoe. No. So I think it's just a it's a question that's hard to answer because it really just comes down to the goal of the actual piece of footwear, not necessarily the category itself. Right. And so that's important distinction to be made is, again, we can categorize things, but it doesn't mean they're similar. They might have very, very different purposes. Still, though, is there any kind of thing that you might see that connects them? And the answer might be no in terms of like the design in terms of the high stack height, the rocker geometry, the super foam in this tall of a stack. Is there anything that makes them similar in that regard in terms of their purpose? Yeah. I mean, really using the new generation materials, you know, when it comes to vibration, loading on the joints, being able to just make things a little bit more economically efficient in most cases, um, being able to just take that pressure off of the runner and allow them to recover and come back the next day a little bit better than they may have been. I think that ultimately is the goal of this new generation of midsoles, whether it's the racing shoes or these super trainers. Um, and I know anecdotally, I've used them for that. I've used the Super Blast for that. I've used the, um, I almost said Endorphin, the Tempest for that. But I have yeah. used the Endorphin. Endorphin Speed 3, I've used it for that purpose. You know, I've used the Tempest for that purpose. I've, I'm looking around here. I've used almost every shoe that I got to my left here for recovery purposes at some point, you know, it's not always for driving performance. So I think just easing the strain on your body, uh, with the daylight savings and with it being dark early, now the sun's rising at a decent time, but when it's real dark, I run on roads a lot more than I would. And usually I run in multi-surface a lot. And when it's dark, I'm not even going to chance it, especially in the fall because it's racing season. So I'll be very boring. I will run in a straight line down <laughs> on a on a road for five miles and I'll turn around and I'll come back and it's a 10 mile out and back and I'm just running on road. Uh, and when I'm doing those days, you know, like the road traditionally can beat you up a little bit. And so I think these shoes are another shoes that I kind of reach for where it's like, oh, I can kind of, I don't have to worry about it as much um, as far as the recovery piece goes. So again, for recovery purposes or training purposes, when you don't want to beat yourself up as much, that's where the, and on road specifically, that's where these shoes 
would be beneficial for those who are interested going, yeah, if you want to save your legs a little bit more, have a little bit more cush underneath there, you know, some of them may be able to handle workouts and maybe you save your legs a little bit more on those workouts. Whereas the SC train is going to be that's saving your legs for recovery days. Is there anybody that you think should be cautious or avoid these shoes? Yeah. uh, Well, anyone who has a neuropathy problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, With that said, I mean, there are some runners that have neuropathy problems, though. Like they they are definitely out there. But um, anyone who has a hard time with like knowing where your feet are, you're not the most nimble. Maybe you're a little bit clumsy and you kind of clip your feet, you roll your ankles. You're just not quite um, just not quite as efficient. That's not even a good word. I don't like that word because it's like some people just maybe their legs swing out a little bit more and they just they just hit things. They move things like they're not as smooth as other runners are. Um, I think those are people that probably shouldn't be playing around with these super soft compliant foams especially if it's over 40 millimeters of stack it's already over regulation so let's say you're struggling in a vapor fly chances are you're going to be struggling even more in something that's higher up Um, the other group because these foams are more compliant and responsive people that like to push the easy days and if they know it probably Ah, that's great yeah you probably shouldn't put these on because these foams are more resilient they bounce back you have good energy return if you don't know how to keep yourself in check, then like these don't help that situation at all. Yeah, it can, <laughs> so. it can make it worse. I think Primex for sure. So I, I definitely agree with you on those two populations from, you know, a healthy standpoint, you know, runners who don't know how to control pace. This is not going to help you. You're going to start pushing the pace more. And just because they might help you with shock absorption in certain areas we don't know what these do mechanically to people. We have an idea of what some of the super shoes do because that's where all the research is, but we don't know if the people's mechanics are changing with the additional stack height, the combined extra foam. We have nothing. We got zip on this. Although we do know that when you start increasing the stack height more, that increases the lever arm of this the limb. So oftentimes you might kind of start putting a little extra load into some of the structures like hamstring, some of the more proximal stuff. So that's not for sure, but there might be some changes in, in risk factors. And if you can't control yourself, these shoes aren't going to make you invincible. You're still going to have risk factors. So I think that's a really important one to go. If you don't have self-control with the pace, these are probably not good options. The other yeah. population I totally agree with you is if you have proprioception or body sense issues, if you have kind of more advanced neuropathies where you really can't feel where your foot is. I understand from a protection point, right? The diabetic foot or di- you know, that kind of stuff. We've seen great stuff in the literature with rocker soles and a little more cushioning. But if you're the kind of person that doesn't have a good idea of where your feet are and you risk tripping over something, these shoes extend you far enough off the ground that you're going to have a hard time figuring out where your foot is. And that's really important, not only for landing, but also for the swing phase when you're picking stuff up. So I could see these being a hazard. But if those issues aren't around, you might be fine. So what and speaking of which, so there's there's some great stuff. There's some stuff maybe people need to wear of. What do you think is being done really well with these three with where things are going? Yeah, I like the direction. I think with anything, as you have an increase in innovation, you're going to start using what you're creating. I mean, you put so much hours into creating these new foams, you might as well use them. You know, why reserve them for only one or two shoes? And I think it's been a progression of the times. I mean, for a long time, it was EVA, right? But And they still exist, and I think there's still a place for it. It keeps the price point down, and it keeps the weight down in some regards, you know, unless you're using really expensive materials. Um, 
but you saw it with the progression from EVA to TPU. So then Adidas started using a lot of boost materials. You saw Reebok with their Floatride Energy. Um, a lot of people are using expanded TPEs, things like that, where it's kind of like maybe they're putting a little bit of gas or they're aerating the foams. And then they start incorporating that in their daily shoes. And then they have another foam lined up for their racing shoes. And so I think it's also a little bit of a direction of the industry as well when you're taking a look at what they're deciding to put in because if they're putting these new generation midsoles in the training shoe and they're starting to put it in more and more shoes, it starts to make me think that they might have something else lined up further down the line that they're like, okay, so like now this is going to become our base and now we're going to build off of this as well. Because even though like Nike has Zoom X, but you know they're working on other things. You know, everyone is like, that's no secret. Everyone's trying to make their product better. And so I think it's also a certain sense of comfort. And I think as like PBA and PBAX becomes more accessible from uh, actual manufacturing and product standpoint, that can also keep the price down and then eventually maybe replace EVA. I don't, I don't know if it will ever go to the point where it replaces it, but it like, can get that price point to where it's more manageable for the consumer. And now you're going to have a shoe that is pretty well on the performance scale and it has a compliant, resilient foam and it doesn't break the bank. And you have some companies that are kind of doing it. Like how much is the rebel? The rebel isn't like killer. Is it? It's like one one thirty, one twenty. Like it was more affordable than I expected it to be. Yeah. And then you've got some companies that they're sliding pieces of it. So like the Audios, I think is yeah, like one forty. Yeah. So, like, you've got some shoes 140. that are pretty comparable with other pieces of the market that are using some of these materials, you know? So maybe they don't have a plate. Maybe they don't have a, a uh, more intense geometry, but they're still solid shoes in and of themselves, you know? So I think it's interesting. Just I think it's more just the direction of the industry itself. And, and I... I think that makes sense that what we're seeing with all the R and research and development that's going into racing shoes that they would obviously take some of that and start putting it in other shoes. So I think these super max super trainers and some of the other more tra- more normal stack uh super, you know super trainers where you're seeing these films, I think it's a natural progression. It makes sense. It makes sense that people would go, "Hey, with these super max one, how much stack height can we put in here?" And I think that there might be some diminishing returns as you start getting higher and higher and higher because then you inevitably have issues with weight and size and some of the geometry just isn't going to work, right? Once you get you're on stilts at that point. But I do think what's being done well is that they're the companies are specifying what these are for. And it's not where you're like, hey, we're just going to throw this out here and let people do what you want with it, which kind of happened with some of the racing shoes, like the Vaporfly and Alphafly. People were like, advertise like you can just be a new runner and just go jog in those. And I was like, I still have my hesitation about that. But it's nice to now see they've gone, you know what? Now we have something that you can go train in. And they've been specific. Other people, you know, Adidas didn't say that the Prime X was a trainer. They said this is a racing shoe. This is a faster shoe for workouts where you want more protection asics was great about saying we want the super blast is a versatile like up temp a tempo long run like kind of do it all shoe and then new balance was marketing the se trainer as that recovery shoe that like we want to take some of the stuff our athletes want to train in the sc elite or the v3 or the rc elite too but we said don't do that here's this other option so you can get some of these you know responsiveness benefits in a shoe meant for daily training so i like that they're being specific with what the purpose is while being able to mesh some of the benefits that we've seen from the racing shoes while still making it available to train in. 
Is there anything you think needs to be improved? Anything you're like, these, this has to be better. Come on. Uh, to some degree, I think it comes with certain companies and how they're approaching it. Because when you take a look at the properties of the actual foam, PIBA being, what is it, like polyethyl block amide, like the chemical yes. thermoplastic that it is that you create a foam of, very compliant, very resilient, but with that said, compliant being soft, bouncy, it's a different foam. And if you have it on a narrow platform and it has that rocker geometry or it's got something a little more aggressive like the Primax, that is not going to work for a lot of people. And maybe they're not making a shoe for a lot of people. Maybe they want it to be a niche thing, but I think the direction of the category, if you want it to be a consumer-friendly shoe overall, if you just widen it out a little bit, whether it's the platform or a little bit of sole flaring or you just integrate some sidewalls a little bit better, like there's some things you can do to just make that shoe a more streamlined shoe and just make it more comfortable. And I think it's one of the things that Saucony did pretty well when they took a look at the Endorphin Pro 3. Uh, now that's the racing category, but they were like, okay, well, we have a P-Back shoe. How can we make this a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more stable for the consumer? and make it a more enjoyable experience while still having that resilient foam. It doesn't have to be the super streamlined, narrow shoe that like only people that are going to be transitioning quick through that midfoot and forefoot, you know, are going to enjoy. So um, what people are doing with the racing shoes, because we're seeing that more and more. It's not just Saucony, it's other companies too. Um, applying that more with the usage of the materials and applying that to the training shoes as well. Like just being cognizant of the materials that you're actually using and then making a, a package that is actually suitable for the consumer you're marketing for. Yeah, I think that that's really good where I would totally agree with Primex. I don't and we don't know exactly who this is being marked. If it's just that niche shoe going, hey, we're going to do something crazy. But yeah, it's very niche. There's going to be a very specific population that's going to be able to handle this. Whereas I think the SE Trainer and the no, the Super Blast, I'm sorry, are going to be able to handle more people. I think that was done better. I think the SC Trainer, they did a fairly good job at trying to keep it, you know, in like not making it super unstable despite the amount of fuel cell, the plate design and kind of the, the guideline throughout here did a decent job. You just got to be careful because with these super soft shoes, right, it might lock the ankle in well, but you're still going to have the instability that's going to hit the hip. Um, I think the Super Blast did that better where because it's just a little more on the firm end for a shoe like this, but it's still got a lot of resilience and compliance in the sole where it really will bounce you back. Did it better? My only challenge is even though this doesn't have the pl a plate, this actually feels the stiffest of the three of them. And so I think that you got again, when you design a shoe like this, if you want it to be a long run, you got to really be careful with that, that toe off, because that's for me, it was so stiff. I was getting like, and in the review I talked about, I was getting some like knee aching because I was having to compensate to get my foot off this shoe. So I think you have to be very careful with the geometry. If you're going to make it for the general public, you have to be careful with how aggressive it is. And that's really hard. It's hard to make a shoe for everyone. So that's why you got to make sure that you're being very careful with who you market to and what it's really meant for. So it's not necessarily a criticism saying they're doing it bad. You just got to be really careful in this category because it's honestly going to be something that more people might be willing to put on their feet because it's going to be less aggressive than something like Vaporfly or RC Elite 2, which we are, at least anecdotally, I am seeing that some of these shoes, people are going, oh, these are sexy. But it's not decreasing injury risk. In fact, it's actually enabling people to kind of push themselves into the red zone when they maybe shouldn't be there all the time. So the people who are training in the RC Elite 2 or training in the Vaporfly, 
may not be the best option, whereas this is going to be, I think, a shoe that's more accessible to those people. They still need to be a little careful because, again, the consumer is going to be a lot more varied than somebody who's going to pick a Vaporfly. But that's just kind of a word of caution. I think overall they're doing a pretty good job. What do you think, by the way, I mentioned this earlier. Do you think there's a limit to what, not necessarily a legal limit, but do you think there's a limit to how tall these shoes can get? Because Prime X is 50 in the heel, 50 millimeter, or 40 in the millimeters in the forefoot. This one's 40, 45.5. The SC Trainer is 47. Do you think there's like, like what's the term? Is diminishing returns you start getting too high? Uh, yeah, I think there probably are. I I feel like 50 is a pretty good number. I can't say because the only shoe that has hit 50 is the Prime X. And I think right. that shoe is just, like we said, designed in a very specific way. But I, when I take a look at how well integrated the Super Blast is with no plate at 45, I don't see any reason why you can't have it up to be at 50. If I, because I'm in a 45 millimeter stack right. shoe and it feels more like a 35, the way it feels on foot for me. Right. Especially with that foam compression, too. Yeah. So. so, like, I don't see why you can't go higher, but I do think it's not that much more. <laughs> like, right. Like, I, I feel like after you pass 50, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, you're talking two inches plus of like extra height and lever arm on there of just foam. Right. So and then you got to balance it out with a wider sole, which then that's, right. that's more weights, right? At a certain point, it's, like if the Prime X was seventy millimeters tall with the same height, like people would fracture their ankles. Yeah, like so, be running in some Elton John shoes, you know? It's like yeah, nothing against Elton John. I love Elton John, but it's just right. like yeah. <laughs> the platforms that he that guy puts on, man, those are crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just an interesting take. And maybe you make a more resilient foam that doesn't have as much compliancy and maybe you can take it further. I don't know. It's but Is it worth it though? Is it worth it? I don't I don't I think it probably isn't from the long term right. standpoint because I still like my proprioception and I still like being like light footed enough and being able to run in different terrain and just knowing what I'm doing. Um, it's something that I kind of find myself gravitating back towards, to be honest. Um, I keep feeling the scale tip higher and higher and higher. And then I kind of start reaching for those shoes that are like 35 or even lower. I mean, one of my favorite shoes, right. like I said earlier, is the Evo ride. It's like what? 26. Like it's pretty low. I don't it's remember. not very yeah. high. Yeah. It's like, I kind of start reaching. There's another shoe that I can't talk about, but it's like, I want to say it's a 25 and I really like it. And it's, <laughs> it, there's, I just kind of start gravitating towards these lower stack shoes again because I start feeling that balance just tipping so far one way that I'm like, man, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right. And then obviously, if you go too low, that's that's a problem too. But yeah, I think the key is, I, I think you kind of alluded to it that I, my personal thought with with how people are maybe using these shoes as a tool, which is our kind of thing of shoes or tools. If you're interested in these kind of shoes and you want to train in this. I'd really encourage you, again, variety is key. If you're only training in one shoe type, you might get some benefits, but there are also going to be inherent risks to it. So if you want to get a super trainer and you're like, oh, this is, I got the I got the finances, this is great, I'd really encourage to, it, you to balance it out with something else, with something either more traditional or lower stack height, just to give your body some variety. Just like you mentioned with the, when we went to super minimalist stuff, there were issues associated with that. There are benefits, but there's also very, there's risks. We just don't know what the risks are yet. 
with this footwear. And I'm not trying to demonize it and scare people. I'm just saying variety is key. So if you've got one of these shoes, might not be a bad idea to have something that's a little stack height, a little lower stack height in your repertoire of shoes, just because you know, obviously we have a shoe website, so there's a little bias telling you that you should get multiple shoes. But there's also good evidence evidence from Mauslau, who we've had on here before, that a rotation of shoes can actually help reduce your injury. It's actually one of the few things that we know from evidence that can do that. So if you're going to build a shoe rotation, this might have a place, but just make sure you you balance it out. And that'd probably be my my thoughts of where this is going in the future, is that I don't think, maybe people will, we'll have to see what technologies come out, but I don't really see things going much higher stack height than this. I do see more companies adding shoes like this. I do see, you know, and we are aware of a couple other companies that that are have stuff in the works uh, that will come out. So I think there's going to be more stuff. And you, I think you're right that you're going to start seeing more of these super foams show up in traditional shoes. I think as the stuff, as the materials become more available, we might see EVA take a break and it might come back in a different form. TPU um was used many many years ago but it was found to be too heavy and then adidas was able to take it and like expand it so to make it somewhat it was still heavy but somewhat lighter you know there might be a a turnaround in the future but i do think we're going to see more shoes like this because people like comfort they like cushion and it makes sense that we'll we'll probably keep seeing this stuff and people ask us do you think we're going to see a minimalist revamp we might who knows you'll probably see a little rebound at some point but I think we're going to keep seeing more normal trainers become what we used to consider super trainers. And yeah, what do you think? What do you think we're going to see in the future? In the future? I think you kind of alluded to it. I mean, and I talked about it a little bit earlier as well. Um, I think you're going to start seeing companies incorporate these foams in more and more footwear. And it's not just in the running industry. I mean, when I was younger, yeah. working in retail and taking a look at some of the stuff coming out, I mean... I worked for Adidas specifically, and you'd see when boosts came around, they started putting it in their football cleats. They started putting it in their basketball shoes. They start they start sprinkling these things in. It's not like a full boost midsole, but to my knowledge, I think they use Light Strike Pro. I think in some of the new they do yeah, and they then yeah. they also use it with New Balance with the Fuel Cell. I mean, if you want to go get yourself yep. some Kawhis and rock some Fuel Cell, you can still do that. You know, so right. Um, and we're seeing it in the trail world too. Yeah. All of this stuff is now making its way to the trail. So New Balance is doing that with the what's it? Is it the Summit? Her- I can't remember. I should know this. Is it which shoe is it? It just came out. Oh, I don't know. Herrero Summit. I can't they remember. Have the Somebody's gonna, somebody correct me. I don't know if it yeah, has someone new correct me on that. But there's like the Sockney Endorphin Edge. Yeah. That's a P back based. Yeah, Sockney Endorphin Edge. There's. Zumax has been in trail stuff for a little bit. They've got a trail racer coming out in 2023. You're seeing all this stuff. You know, gravitate to trail work, and you're seeing it gravitate to the other parts of the footwear industry and not just running. So, yeah, we're going to see expansion just like we saw, you know, in the past with EVA and all these phone, you know, so it's normal. So, and I think that's what people need to be aware of is, and that's why I had to kind of eat my words the other day when I talked about training in, in super shoes and training in these super trainers is that, yeah, it's going to become the normal. And I don't think, you know, there's nothing to go back to at this, or there's less and less to go back to as we see this. So you're just going to have to adapt to it, maybe try to find some balance. What that looks like, we don't know, because guess what? We can't see the future. So it is an exciting time to be in footwear and to be running, because like the innovation that we're seeing is just, it's it's crazy. It's nuts, right? So yeah, it's it's a fun time to be here. And yeah, any last thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, what we've seen in the last five years is more than what we've seen in the last 15 
Like, right. it's been yeah. a pretty 20, 30, wild yeah. west, just boom of innovation. I think people are putting a lot more effort into the material science side of things. They're looking more, uh, and some of this is education as well, like knowing biomechanics and physics and torque and being able to quantify it. And also physiological parameters and like the effects on VO2 consumption. And the tools are there now where they weren't quite as good before. And so I think that also allows some of these companies to also dial things in a little bit more and also progress their footwear in ways they want to progress their footwear. And that could mean wildly different things. That doesn't just have to be performance. That could be comfort. That could be other things. I, yeah, there was something I was going on with that, but I think I just drew a blank. So I will let you close it out. Yeah. So I think in conclusion, we're seeing more of these super max trainers. We're seeing more super trainers in general with these newer foams. I think they're going to become the normal. I, and there, it is a tool. These are tools at the end of the day. They're going to work really well for certain people. They're not going to work as well as others. I think what's really key is for people to remember what the purpose is of them. You know, they're trainers, you do need to still keep your pace under control if you are doing an easy run in the shoe. If you're doing a workout, it might be a great option to kind of save your legs for some of the more aggressive racing options. But you just need to ask like, hey, is, how is this going to fit in my repertoire? Is it worth it? For me, I'm loving some of this stuff. I love the the Super Blast. It's been a great shoe. It's been durable. You know, not everybody's going to have the funds for this. So if you've got the finances, you're interested, go for it. If not, there are plenty of other comparable shoes that are coming out at more fair price points. So I think, yeah, it's just a fun time to be in that. So we appreciate, again, everybody following along with us as we continue to explore this stuff. And I'm really going to encourage you to keep following us on a couple different platforms. So we've got always good stuff on Instagram coming out, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. I always have to say that for Bach. But lots of good areas and lots of really cool stuff that we've got planned and coming out. So please stick around. Check us out. Obviously, keep listening to the podcast, whether it's on YouTube, Spotify, or whatever stuff. But we also want to know what you think. Any feedback? Because there's some changes we're going to be making in a couple months to the format, to length, to things like that. Because we're trying to evolve. Just like the footwear, we're also trying to evolve. So any feedback you have in the comments, please let us know. Because we do this as a side. This is not our main job. We do this as a fun thing on the side. We get to talk about running shoes we get to geek out after work we do have all full-time jobs so we do want to see if we can improve this because this is all for you so let us know in the comments anything you're interested in anything you think we can prove anything we're doing well and if not at least subscribe and have a great run